0: We are starting today a vision series. This is the first week of a four-week series. Um, Last Sunday, I said that you do not want to miss any of these Sundays. So glad you're here. Make sure you don't miss October 3rd because Kevin Valencia, which again, everybody I'm pointing out is not in here. Where is he? I know, Elise is like, he should be here. Uh, All these servants of the Lord are gone somewhere right now. Uh, But he's gonna be cooking up tacos for us on October 3rd. We're gonna have, yes, it's gonna be good. Yeah, George is like, they're amazing. He gets them all the time. Um, Bounce houses, games, all kinds of fun for the family. So that'll be to celebrate our one year as a church. So October 3rd, yes. All right. So again, props to you if you're here this morning. Don't want to miss these four weeks. If you're watching online, Margarita, and, uh, and everyone else online, thank you for tuning in. Even if you're catching this message later on the week, uh, if you miss a Sunday, go listen online. We want you to stay connected with the life of the church because we plan to continue to seek Jesus in this place. That's what we do here. We want to know Jesus and be known by him. And, and you can count on the fact that every single Sunday that we gather here, we're going to do two things. We're gonna gather as the people of God, and we are gonna proclaim Jesus. And we've been doing that now for almost a year as a church. And what we've done so far is we've studied through the Gospel of Mark, and we just finished that last Sunday. And so today we're pausing from our usual manner of teaching through the scriptures, and we thought that it would be appropriate if we communicate to you, the church family, you know, do you ever have family meetings where you kinda come in and you all snuggle up on the couch and you talk about what you're gonna do as a family? Anyone? No? Okay, fine. In the Hendrickson household, sometimes we do that. When, maybe it's like when we're going to somebody's house and we gotta lay down the ground rules of what it means to be Hendrickson's. And, and, and it's fun because our kids know that the last thing, even after laying down the law, we say, and have fun. And that's what we want to be here as a church. We want to be a church that, you know, we have some vision. We have some ways that we do things. We want to be a church family that has some fun together. And so we're going to teach through this vision series. The goal of it is to communicate to you the local church that is called Calvary Chapel Palace Verdes. Hopefully you got a hat to represent or a sweatshirt. Um, I don't know. But um, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what we do as a church And why we do it. And this is going to be outlined to us in the way of mission and practice. And our practice as a church is what we do. Our mission is why we do it. And as you put together our mission and practice, you have our church vision. And as we live into this vision that we believe God has given us, this is what we believe is going to happen. We will know Jesus and be known by him. And that's the banner over this church, if you will, is knowing Jesus and being known. Proverbs 29, 18 says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And we want life to be in this church. We want life to go out from us as a body of people. And so we're asking you as a church that you would get your heart involved. You know, I'm praying and we've been praying as, as the leadership and as the elders of the church that you would get engaged with your time and with your talents and with your treasures into the things that God is doing. There's a lot of good work that God collectively has for us to do as a church. So this is a time for you to lean in, right? And say, this is something that I want to be part of. I want to actively live into the mission and the practices of this church. Because here's what I know. I know that when you're coming here on Sunday morning, you don't just want to come here and be a disengaged passerby, right? I don't think any of you want to be that, I think truly in your heart, you want to come here and you want to be known and you want to be loved and you want to be engaged in the work of building Jesus's church. And so that's the plan and the purpose of this series. The plan and purpose is for you to get your heart engaged, to get your hands on the work and say, this is something that I am part of. My family is part of this greater church family of the body of believers here in Palos Verdes. And so... You guys ready to begin that? Okay, let me pray for us, and then we're going to kick it off. Lord Jesus, thank you for this church, and Lord, for what you have begun in just a short year. It's been a crazy year, Lord, but God, you have done marvelous things in our eyes, and God, we want to continue to see you build your kingdom here among us, and so Lord, would you, even right now, by your Holy Spirit, get your people to get their hearts engaged, get their hands on the work, to be part of this movement of God's Spirit that you're doing here in this this community. We love you, Lord. We glorify you for how you lead us as our good shepherd. And so teach us today um, the church that you want us to be, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. so just as a way of a little bit of background, because some of you may not Know this, but Calvary Chapel Palace Verdes is one of many Calvary Chapel churches worldwide. Um, the Calvary Chapel movement began in 1965 right here in Southern California, and it played a key role in a revival that was known as the Jesus Movement. And, and in the late 1960s, there was a similar cultural climate to what we are seeing today in our world. And God poured out his spirit in a powerful way here in Southern California that spread actually across the globe. And so just as we've seen here in our time and in this region, a similar cultural climate, we're asking for God to give a similar outpouring of his spirit at a time like this. We believe that God wants to use this church to reach the ends of the earth, as we learned last week. This is our Jerusalem. We wanna go into our Judea and our Samaria. We wanna go to the ends of the earth. We're not seeking just to be here insular. We want to be a church that goes out and spreads the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so Calvary Chapel played a key role in that movement and it played a key role in my life in the early 2000s. When I was 17 years old, I came to know Jesus through the ministry of Calvary Chapel Santa Barbara. Um, Two of our pastors, Pastor Tommy and Pastor Brett, who are on our elder board are actually coming for our last Sunday and you'll get to meet them and you'll love them. Then in 2011, I started working at that church. I served there for seven years as the youth pastor, and then for almost three years as the associate pastor. And then in January of 2020, my wife Leah and I began sensing a call from the Lord to go and to plant a church. And we came here to Palos Verdes, and we spent a week here praying and seeking the Lord about whether we would come here to begin a new work. And God confirmed it in a multitude of ways that this was the place that he was going to send our family. So we went back to Santa Barbara in January of 2020. and We said, we're going. We're going to plant a church in Palos Verdes. And then March came, which brought a global pandemic. And we were unsure about whether to move forward. And yet my wife and I prayed and we pressed into the Lord and we decided to advance in faith in what God was calling us to do. And so in May of 2020, we moved here to the peninsula with our family of four, which has now grown to five. And when we arrived, we met people in the community through park playdates. Maybe you're here because of Mom Monday. We started this outreach where we just sort of said, let's go to the park, let's get the kids on the playground, and let's just meet people. And we've met people, and we've built relationships, and I went surfing and um, met people in the water. I reached out to Christian leaders in the area, and in July, we had the opportunity to meet the leadership of Life on the Hill Church. Thank you to Steve Heffernan. Appreciate that, brother. And uh, when I met Rob Orr and Ben DeKaibui and Ben Kim, we just sensed how God was knitting our hearts together, and we began to talk about how God wanted to reach this place for Jesus, and we wanted to see the kingdom of God expand. And with their humility and with their generosity, they said, we'd love to give you a space to start your church plant. But what little did we know, God was knitting our hearts together in the same passion and vision to make Jesus known in this region, and their vision prior to, you know, this new vision was, let's get as close behind Jesus as we possibly can, and then wherever it is that he goes, we'll just go where he goes. And they saw how God was going with, you know, this, this new church that was starting, and they said, can we be part of this work? Can we become part of Calvary Chapel Palace Verdes? And so we joined together, and we planted Calvary Chapel Palace Verdes on September 27th of this last year and we've seen God build his church ever since that day. Now, many of you guys have heard this story. Maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but the reason why I repeat this story, the reason why this story bears repeating is because this church plant is truly a work of God. And he has had his hand upon his church. And our prayer has been, God, would you stay your hand upon this church? Would you pour out blessing and favor upon this church so that we can reach people with the gospel of Jesus? And God has been so faithful to do that, and he's been doing that. Something my friend Robin Heffernan said, and she's one of the leaders who is um, building this welcome team so that we would be a church that would gather in people from everywhere, everywhere and let them be known and loved. She said because she got to be part of the very beginning and watch this movement of God happen right in front of her eyes. Something she said that she wants and has a heart for for anyone coming into this church is that when they would come here, they would get the sense, just as, he, just as she did, that, that they would realize they are part of something that God is doing and that they would get involved and engaged just as the Heffernans have. You know, there's a number of families that have joined along the way and have just poured in their they're gifts and it's because of these moments like our first baptism service that we had the week after Easter many people have told us you know we came for Easter we came the next week for the baptism service and we watched God move so powerfully we're like we want to be part of this anybody amen okay God has been moving now we're a year old almost and We've been living into this vision of this church. And so what have we been doing as a church? And why do we do what we do? Well, let me turn your attention to the screen where you're gonna see our church's logo. That one there. And thank you, by the way, to our amazing media team. John, Nick, Christian, uh, Michael, all you guys, just so amazing serving in that way. Um, But yes. And uh, this is our church logo. And many people look at it and they think it's like a stained glass window of some sort. But there's actually a lot of meaning in this design. And the logo is comprised of four parts that make a whole. And the four parts break down into actually our vision statements. And so you'll see there that these are the four missions that we want to accomplish as a church. We want to know Jesus, and the way that we will do that is through teaching and preaching. Our mission is to be known by Jesus, and we do that by worship and prayer. Our mission is to be known by one another, and we do that by community and discipleship. Lastly, our mission is to make Jesus known, and we do that by evangelism and missions. And if you at the design of this is you'll see that to know jesus you have arrows that are going up and to be known by jesus you have arrows that are going down which is this guys it all begins with the vertical relationship that we have with god knowing jesus and being known by jesus is what actually enables us and empowers us to be Christians and to be the church and to do what we do it all has to begin there on the vertical relationship but then we also see that we are to be known by one another's and we see the arrows going in and then to make Jesus known you see arrows going out is that we also have relationships that exist on a horizontal level that we want to know one another and we want to make Jesus known to others. And so we've got this sense of loving God, which is the vertical relationship, and loving people, which is our horizontal relationships. And aren't those the two greatest commandments? Jesus said, you wanna sum up all of the law and the prophets, these two commandments, love God and love people. And we believe that the Christian life can be fully experienced in these practices of knowing Jesus and being known. Now what does it mean to know and be known? Well when the Bible speaks about knowledge, it's not just knowledge that is an accumulation of facts or head knowledge. It goes much further and much deeper than that in that when the Bible speaks of knowing and being known, it's talking about experiential knowledge. A knowledge that exists through relational experiences both with God and your fellow man. And I think that this is our greatest want in life, isn't it, is to know and to be known. Whether that's with God or with people, we want to know and be known. My friend Nicole Kim once told me that she thinks perhaps one of the greatest fears that people have in life is that they fear to be known but not loved. But the gospel tells us that we are fully known by God. And he sees you as you truly are. He sees the real you and he loves you. And he loves you unconditionally. And he loves you sacrificially. And he desires that you would also know him. And that's why we say here in this church, continuously bring the real you to the real Jesus because we believe that you do not need to be afraid to bring your true self to the true God. I want to know the real Jesus. I want to be known by the real Jesus. I want to know you, and I want you to know me. And together, I want to take Jesus This amazing, incredible Lord and Savior that we worship. And I want to make him known to others. I want to do that together. I want to do that in this church. And I'm so aware of the fact that as I have been living out this vision in just my own life, I have seen the transformation that has happened by God's grace of knowing Jesus and being known. So that's our vision as a whole, which is that we would seek to live out these four mission statements. Now, these four mission statements also come with practices, things that we do in order to accomplish them. And again, over these next four weeks, we're gonna look at each one of them. So today, we're just gonna take a look at the first one. Our mission is to know Jesus. And the main way that we seek to accomplish that is through teaching and preaching. And this is what I mean by that. Let me read this to you. Jesus is real. And he has revealed himself to you through the Bible. When you come to know Jesus, he will show you the Father and empower you by the Spirit. And I want us to consider, because we've been going through the Gospel of Mark now, we just finished it last week. I want to go through the Gospel of Mark and show how Jesus was a teacher. Because when God wanted himself to be known, he gave us his word. We see in Hebrews 1.1 that God says, in times past, God spoke through the mouth of the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So when God wanted us to know him, he decided that he would become one of us in the person of Jesus. And Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the express image of God because he is God, fully God and fully man. And simply put, if you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. And we've just done that as we've seen through the Gospel of Mark. And we see the statement that Jesus says to his disciple Philip when he, Philip says, Hey, show us the Father, Jesus. And Jesus says, Philip, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father, See, Jesus is revealed in the four gospel accounts as one who came to manifest God to us. And so, as we look in the Gospel of Mark, how did he primarily do that? How did he primarily make himself known to people? as being the son of God, the only begotten from the father who would come and die for our sins upon a cross and be buried and raised from the dead to the glory of the father. And then when he ascended to heaven, he'd send forth his spirit. How did he communicate that? How did he make himself known to us? He did it through teaching. And he came and he lived among us. With eyes he looked upon people with compassion. With ears, he listened to people. Listening is a very important aspect of teaching, by the way. He listened to people's weeping and rejoicing. With his mouth, he shared meals and spoke the truth in love. With his hands, he healed people and he served people. And upon his feet, he walked with his disciples along the roads as he just taught them as they were going. He eventually, again, ascended to that mountain called Calvary to die upon a cross and was raised from the dead and then commissioned his disciples to go and teach the things that he taught. But the disciples could not do that unless they were taught, unless they had been communicated by Jesus who Jesus is. See, we would know none of the things that we talk about on Sunday morning without teaching and preaching Jesus was a teacher. Over 14 times in Mark's gospel, he's actually given that title teacher. And let me just run through the gospel of Mark really fast. Mark 1.22 says, they were astonished at his teaching for he taught them as one who had authority. Mark 1.38 says, let us go to the next town that I may preach there also for this is why I came. Mark 1.39, he went throughout all Galilee preaching in their synagogues. Mark 2, 2, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door, and he was preaching the word to them. Mark 4, 1, he began to teach by the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him. Mark 4, 2, he was teaching them many things in parables. Mark 6, 2, and on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were astonished. Mark six, six, and he marveled at their unbelief, and he went among the villages teaching. Mark six thirty four, he had compassion on the crowds, and he began to teach them many things. Mark eight thirty-one, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, and be rejected by the elders, and the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. I love this part. And he said this plainly. Mark 10.1, crowds gathered around him again, and again, as was his custom, he taught them. Mark 12.14, teacher, we know that you are true and do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances, but truly teach the way of God. It was his opponents that actually said that of him. Mark 13:35, Jesus taught in the temple, and Mark 14:49, "Day after day, I was with you in the temple teaching." Is Jesus a teacher? Absolutely. Jesus was a teacher and a preacher, and he commissioned his disciples to go into all the world and to teach and to preach as well. We see that in Mark 3.14, he appointed the 12 whom he also named apostles so that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. (laughs) We could go through the book of Acts and list every single time it talks about the disciples going out and teaching, but we won't do that. So for people to know Jesus, they need to hear the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And God appointed that in the church, there would be pastors who would be appointed to be teachers and preachers in those church. But I have a particular role of being a teacher, but all of us have a role of teaching. All of you guys are teachers, no matter what, because you're all teaching something. You're all teaching something. The question is, what are you teaching? with your life and with your words and with your actions? What are you teaching? But in the church, God has appointed for there to be leaders who would teach and preach the word of God, and they will be held accountable to God and to one another for teaching sound doctrine. James 3.1 says this. He warns us that not many of us should be teachers because teachers are held to a stricter judgment. Yikes. <laughs> So what I do when I stand here and I teach God's word from 2 Timothy 2.15, I have this always in the back of my mind. And so I am doing my best to present myself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, to rightly divide the word of truth. Paul told Timothy, that young pastor, to keep a watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you will save both yourself and your hearers. First Timothy 4.16. So my role as a pastor is to teach the word of God. And together with Rob and Benkai and Ben, our responsibility is to teach and to shepherd the flock of God that is among us. And we use the scriptures to do that because we believe that the scriptures are God-breathed, that they are useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And the job of the pastor is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, Ephesians 4.12. And our pastors are not the only teachers in the church. We may handle the word of God and doctrine on Sunday morning from the pulpit, but certainly that measure of teaching comes with great responsibility, and we, we do not take it lightly, but we have many teachers in this church. Jen Cox is one of our teachers. Nicole Kim is one of our teachers as they teach at the women's Bible studies. As we had 50 to 60 women pass through here on Wednesday to receive teaching on the attributes of God. There are great women who teach in this church. We have Rob Orr and Andrew So who are teaching the men's Bible studies. And and they've been teaching through the pastoral epistles, which I just quoted extensively from, because we want to raise up men who are able to teach others also. Because 2 Timothy 2 2 says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We don't just wanna rule the teaching. We wanna teach you so that you can teach others so that they can teach others so that the gospel can spread out from among us. So guys like Jason, all of you guys, I mean guys like Kent and Wyatt, and I I just look around and I'm looking at men who have had opportunities to lead and to teach in this church because we do not want to just retain it here, we want it to go out. Our children are taught each and every week and they are seeing the gospel in every story of scripture. Today they're learning about how the serpent was put on the the post so that when they looked at it they were saved and then you look at John three and you see that that is representative of the cross. My kids come home having learned the Bible and they are being loved beyond measure. They're coming into knowing Jesus. My daughter wants to be able to teach the Bible like Jen Hall who apparently is very known for her incredible stick figure art. Uh, Annie Allison is pouring into our older kids as they prepare to come in here and to sit in these chairs and to hear the word of God preached here. And Doug Allison and Brian Hall, the husbands, come and they set up all these chairs every Sunday morning so that you could sit in a seat to hear the word of God. And so we come together as a body of believers, as a collective community who teach the word of God. And we want to teach the word of God from the littlest stinker to the oldest stinker. Every generation needs to know the word of God and be taught the word of God. And we find it as a great privilege to teach and to preach his word. Isaiah 55:11 says God's word goes out and it does not return to him empty but it accomplishes that which he purposes and it will succeed in the thing for which he sent it. In the Bible we see God's word described in a lot of ways. God's word is like a fire. It refines us. God's word is like a hammer. It breaks up our hard and our stony hearts. God's word is like a mirror it reflects and it reveals to you what is really there God's word is like a seed it plants in our hearts and it produces fruit and hopefully the soil of your heart is ready and and ready to receive the seeds that will be planted God's word is like water it washes over us and it makes us clean God's word is like a lamp. It guides our path. It lights up the darkness. God's word is like rain that falls upon a dry and a weary land. God's word is like a sword. It cuts and it divides into the places that nothing else can, and it is a tool for our defense. God's word is like milk and bread and honey and like healing ointment because it nourishes us, and it replenishes life in us. I love God's word. I want you to love God's word, and that is why at this church, you will receive the whole counsel of the word of God. And our typical way of teaching the Bible is not what I'm doing right here, where I'm teaching on a topic or on a vision. We at this church will go through the scriptures verse by verse. If I can use an old Calvary Chapel vision statement, um, back in the day, this used to be the vision statement in Costa Mesa, we will simply teach the word of God simply. And that's what we wanna do here. Because when we do that, you will know Jesus. You will know Jesus by his word. You know, Mimi Shanahan right here, who, uh, when this church started, she came and she was sitting front row, and I could just preach to Mimi because she'd just be so focused and attentive and locked into the word of God. And she came to me one Sunday and she said, you know, I love how you teach the Bible. I'm so amazed because I'm coming here and I'm growing in in knowing Jesus. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) <laughs> That's good. It, and, and it was so funny. One Sunday she came up to me and she's like, I know what you're doing. I was like, what? You're expository preaching. <laughs> Remember that? You're expository preaching. I didn't know what you were doing, but now I know you exposit the scriptures. And that is what we do. And all that is is a fancy way of saying that we teach through the Bible verse by verse, and we let the Word of God do the work of making Jesus known to you. We let the Word of God just go out and do what it's going to do as it's going to reveal to you plainly who Jesus is and what He came for you to do. And as the Holy Spirit takes His Word and as He um, makes it come alive in you, it's going to be lived out through you. And so teaching and preaching is our practice. We may pause from time to time to speak on a particular issue that is going on in our culture. You know, 20 years ago, yesterday, that Sunday was a good time for pastors to pause and to speak to our nation about what was going on in our world as our nation was attacked. And for Believers to come together and pray and the gospel spread out Powerfully during that time because people were longing for answers and longing for hope and we remember that day now 20 years later And we do not know what tomorrow will bring we do not know what our world will go toward and it just seems that every day there's something new And we could be here and we can come every Sunday and we can speak directly to the issues that are going on in our world, but I believe that if you just simply teach the Word of God, then you're going to see how to live through this world. The Bible has answers. It has answers to all things pertaining to life and godliness. And so we may pause from time to time to address a particular issue or we might use an application of something that is going on in our world to be people that are of the word that will be our pursuit as a church. Why? Because we want to know Jesus. We want to know Jesus, that is our end goal. And you know, organizations set their vision statements really high, almost in a sense that it seems unattainable to achieve. And and as we have set our vision statement to know Jesus, that will be a lifelong pursuit as a church. When we set the vision statement for this church, we said, we don't wanna change it ever. Because if we can just keep doing that, because there will always be more to know of Jesus. And so dive in with us. Have a blast with us in knowing who Jesus is. As Paul said in Philippians 3, 8, indeed I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And Paul is saying there you can have it all. I just want to know Jesus. Take the world and give me Jesus. Paul realized that the highest goal in life is knowing Jesus and everything else in life that seems to be worth living for will just diminish. Knowing Jesus has to become everything to you and when it does, when you seek to know him, everything that you see that is good in life will become that much better and everything bad in life will, doesn't seem to be so bad anymore. When we know Jesus and are known by him, when we know him like a friend, when we know him like a brother or a teacher or a master or a savior, a lord or a king. We wanna know Jesus in all of his attributes and everything that he is. And to do that, you need to bring the real you. You need to bring the real you because knowing the real Jesus without knowing the real you will make you religious and legalistic. Knowing the real you without knowing the real Jesus just means you're lost. But knowing the real you and the real Jesus will bring about a vibrant relationship of knowing and being known, and you can do that for the rest of your life and into all eternity. Amen? Amen. John 17.3 says this. Because, guys, there is an eternal difference between knowing about Jesus and actually knowing Jesus. And John 17.3 says, Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So that's what we're going after, church. We want to know Jesus. And the primary way that we're going to get there is by teaching and preaching the word of God. Amen? Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time. Lord, thank you for the attentive hearts to the words that were spoken today on the mission and the practices that we want to have as a church. God, I just pray, Lord, that if we just distill this down into the simplest statements we want to know jesus and be known because knowing jesus and being known gives us the full expression of life both now here on this earth and for eternity because knowing jesus is eternal life. And eternal life doesn't just begin when we go to heaven. Eternal life begins when a person says, I want to know you, Jesus. And I know who I am. I know that I am a sinner in need of a savior. And so I believe that you died upon a cross for my sins. I believe you were buried and you were raised from the dead. And that by believing these truths about you and all of who you are, I receive into myself life that is eternal that comes from you. Knowing you, Jesus, will reveal to us who the Father is. And you will empower us by the Holy Spirit that every day we can live out on mission and into these practices for how you want us to be in this world. So would you take this church, Jesus, it's yours. You are the the senior pastor, the chief shepherd. Would you lead and guide this church wherever it is that you want to take us? We're along for the ride to go where you're going. We want to get as close behind you as we possibly can and just simply go where you go. Lead us by your word. Let it be a lamp unto our feet in dark times. We pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen.